0: You're listening to the Variety Sports
1: Network, your home for the best sports podcasters and live shows.
2: Live here on the Fat Boy Fadeaway Sports Podcast. Join you here January 29th, 2023, championship weekend. We'll obviously deep dive into a little bit of NFL here. But first, I'm joined here by my co host, as usual,
1: Tyler McGurk. Tyler, how are we doing? I'm a little nervous. I got to pick <laughs> my stomach, but I'm ready to go. I'm excited for 12 o'clock noon. Uh, Eagles, Niners. So be a good one.
2: How, are, you, are you glad you didn't have to wait until 3.30 today? Are you glad it's there I, I
1: kind of wish it was a night game. Being on the West Coast, like I just prefer yeah, – I it's mean, it's good for the Niners. The Philly fans can't get all riled up and dr- as drunk as they would be if it was the night game. But I I do appreciate, like, the primetime spot on Sunday night, a little more than the 12 o'clock news one. That's for sure. The police
2: officers probably in Philly do appreciate that, though, over there. Uh, as you can see below us, we got a guy – Joining with us, Casey, not my brother on the third co-host. We got a different one with us, a special guest this week. We got Casey uh, with us this week. How are we doing, my man? I'm joining us. Glad you could jump on with us.
0: Yeah, yeah. Thank you. I'm really happy to be here. Um, also excited for the NFL playoffs, the remaining games. Um, yeah, happy to be here. And uh, thanks for having me yeah absolutely
2: it's funny uh you know you, when you kind of when we started doing this podcast thing and we kind of jump on twitter trying to promote it that we kind of meet different people along the way and you've been one of the people i've kind of just interacted with once in a while over twitter followed your stuff on your youtube channel um obviously both A's fans we have both raiders so we all we like the same team so that was an instant connection there i always enjoy your takes there at twitter i always like how you kind of try to rile up the other fan bases as well we'll get into rivals here in a second but yeah. uh, maybe you can just give us a quick shout out about who you are, your YouTube channel. Like I said, like you do, you kind of go to games, you'll you'll edit those videos. Very impressive, those videos that you edited as well, by the way. Uh, yeah. Just kind of give us a little bit about your channel and uh, maybe a little bit about who you are.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah, my name's Casey. Um, I'm 17. I'm currently a senior in high school in the Bay Area. Um, and yeah, I mean, I started YouTube like September of 2020, at least this iteration of my channel. And like you, you kind of hit the points. I like I love going to games. That's like one of my passions, but I also love documenting it, meeting new people. And so, yeah, editing those videos and the like sort of vlogs and, you know, you know, kind of sharing my experiences at different stadiums is something I love doing. I love visiting stadiums. And then, of course, like you said, I like having takes, having opinions, having analysis. And so, yeah, whether it's recapping games or talking about history of a team, that's something I love doing. And I feel like, you know, for you and me, liking sort of like a unique set of teams that like are no longer close together kind of brings us together. So that's kind of what made my channel, I guess, like captivating for a lot of people. So that's why I kept it going. And so, yeah, I've been an A's, Raiders, Sharks and Warriors fan for my whole life. Um, and that's kind of brought me to have this like dedication to this channel. So it's been yeah. it's been a really wild really ride. Yeah,
2: yeah, it's really cool. See, I think that's the thing that I when we we'll get into your video as well, it like, kind of caught my attention. Was like, you know, just the fan base here, is like kind of like, you know, we've been we've been brought through it a little bit. The Oakland fan base recently uh, drug, drug through the mud, they say. Um, I I kind of want to get also, Tyler. You got any thought,
1: any additional questions for him there to start out? I'm just <laughs> watching your videos, preparing for this. Very impressive. I didn't know you were only seventeen. That makes it even like another level of all the potential you have. I enjoy the videos. Um, we'll get into the movie that you put together. Excellently done.
0: Thank you. Um,
1: just good job. I don't. I don't have much to say outside of that on it. But good job. Keep up the good work. I'm, I'm very always, impressed.
2: And I one quick question. I had a note here for him. But this is probably a while, but how many damn jerseys do you have? How many? I'm always impressed by the jersey selection I see. I I like this guy must work at Liz or something. It goes I'm impressed with it. I'm impressed.
0: Well, funny you bring that up because I actually have been offered a job at Lids like three or four times um, because I always walk in there like decked out and everything. And they're they're like, this guy knows what he's talking about with like jerseys and hats and stuff. But yeah. I have definitely over like a 100 um, because I don't know, like I just I don't have that many expenses, but I do have a job. And so it's pretty nice. And um, yeah, I've been buying like just ever since, you know, the NBA just started doing like five per year. I was like, I need to get everyone. And so I knew that my goal. <laughs> And so, yeah, I have. I mean, I wouldn't be able to tell you an exact number, but definitely in the triple digits.
2: Very impressive jersey game. Very impre- impressive hat game, as we can see behind there. So, all right, let's kind of keep it going here, as we always do on the show. Like you said, we'll get into your video as well. We'll get it. We'll deep dive into the A's a little bit as well, because that's one of my biggest passions as well. But we can talk about that all day long. I know here. So let's yeah. kind of keep it, the show going here. We'll start out here with what we usually do on the show: our wake and hot take. I thought it was appropriate with you on with the Niners playing this week, us both being fans of the Raiders. You know, obviously, Tyler, opposite kind of teams with us here. I, I kind of feel an instinct, though, today to root for the Niners, like over the Eagles. Is that OK? I was trying to this. It's kind of my hot take. I was thinking, yes, it is. And this, this scenario, it is. Tyler, am I wrong in this scenario? Is it not OK for me to root for a rival?
1: No, it's it's fun, especially if it's like the Eagles or some team way out east. I always root for my coach before I'm gonna go, like just because of the biases you see. Like I have no issue. I root for the A's when they play the Yankees or the Boston Red Sox just because the media cover. Like I have no problem rooting for your rival. I wouldn't do it if they're playing like a team I care about. But yeah, I haven't. I don't see the issue with it.
2: This was a tough one for me because when I was younger, I would have said no. I would be like, no. I went because there was times where I would not. have I didn't want you guys to win the World Series against the Angels. Like I did not want my friends to be happy in that regard. I did not root for <laughs> you guys to win those. You know what I mean? So there's part of it. What's your take on that, like, Casey? A little younger than us. What do you think of that?
0: Yeah, I mean, honestly, I'm a firm believer in like you can do whatever you want. Like if you want to root for a rival, like that's on you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I also think. I wouldn't personally do it. I guess it depends on like the circumstance, like regular season. I'm going to have a lot different opinion than playoffs. Um, I am rooting for the Eagles for that that reason. I don't want to see like the whole Bay Area rubbing it in. So honestly, yeah, I mean, I think you can do whatever you want. But uh, like for me personally, I'm not rooting for a rival in the playoffs. I just can't do it. Um, I, I like I, I tell my dad all the time because. He's been a Raiders fan for years. And I tell all my like family, like, I wish I could root for the Niners. I wish I like it would be so much easier for me, like, proximity-wise. But I just can't do it. Like, something about it, it's just I, I can't bring myself to doing it. And so I feel like that kind of applies to other teams as well um, that are rivals with my, my teams in every sport. So I just can't do it.
2: I feel like me, you could look at this from a, per, a unique perspective, okay? Because for two, I'm, so I'm 38. You said you're 17. I went to Raiders games with my dad when they moved back here to Oakland. My dad got season tickets. He stopped going when they moved in 2016. I people, I had Niners fans ask me at that point, like, "Hey, are you gonna root for that?" I, you know, I was like, "No, it's like that's not my team." But I do notice as they did go to Vegas, and there was that kind of separation from the city. Not that I necessarily am like wearing Niners and rooting for them. I have noticed I have softened up a little bit, though, Casey, in that regard. I think it's more that they moved away from Oakland for me, though, in that regard.
0: Yeah, I definitely agree. Like, I'm kind of the same way. Like, I when they first moved, I was, like, definitely a lot more heartbroken. And yep. now I've kind of gotten used to it. Like, I went to Allegiant Stadium. I liked it. But I also am not truly over it. I'm still – like, that's still my team that's gone. So, I, yeah. And it, 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 it's funny we talked about perspective with a lot of these things. Tyler, go ahead.
1: I wouldn't root for a division rival. I outside of my conference, a team I rarely play. I would like there's certain teams I would never root for the Dodgers. Like that would never happen. Like so, there's certain teams. There's no way I'd root for. But as far as Oakland, like I yeah, I, I don't mind seeing my friends happy. I guess and like and I don't blame it. When I was younger, I definitely would never have rooted for the A's or the Raiders. But now I I just. It doesn't bother me anymore. Liar! You
2: smiled when the Royals beat the, the play. <laughs> I probably did, but I, I, I wasn't <laughs> rooting for it. I mean, God Lester
1: could throw to first base.
2: That oh, that good. son of a gun! Yeah, that was a that trade alone was ridiculous at that point over there. Uh, yeah, we talked. So, this is always just an interesting question for me, where I look at sports at perspective, and just like how people kind of judge things. And you know, there's people out there that would just no way. We're never rooting for this team, no matter what. So, I always think, given the Bay Area, it's not. It's just a different fan base at times and you're like new yorks or you're in texas area so uh it's good to get your guys perspective on that i do feel like with the giants so that's a team i would really have a hard time rooting for like for me like more so the niners i could see myself rooting for than the giants like for me that would be harder and like the kings like they're not a rival we'll get into that a little later like that's fine with me like those are the type of things that are, are fine in that area uh the giants though oh that's tough i couldn't i couldn't do that one that yeah. would be that would be i'm always rooting against them sorry
1: tyler on that one no, yeah. I, don't, I don't care who you root for. Is, is there a bigger rivalry Casey? I'm asking you specifically. Do you hate the Niners or the Giants more?
0: I hate the Niners more just because I feel like baseball, it's like, you know, there's 162 games. So, like, rooting against the Giants every time is, like, you know, a little bit tedious <laughs> during yeah. so many games. But – and I do like going to Giants games. I don't like going to Niners games. It's just too far. Um, and, like you – know, stadium super nice and it's pretty easy to get to so yeah i think i like the giants a little bit more but i don't by any means like them so yeah
2: I think for me, it was an announcer thing. I just took pleasure in Kruko and Kite being disappointed, Tyler. I think that was part of it for me that guy there. Uh, all right, let's keep it moving to your team here. Let's or, or, Unless you guys, did you have a wake-at-hot take this week? I didn't even ask
1: you. No, I did, not, I did uh, not come up with So one.
2: Let's get to your Niners-Eagles. They play here a little bit. You did your podcast on the TMB. You, got, you did a great job on there breaking down the game. You got a couple Eagles fans on there with your point Savage, and Ryan did a great job with their uh, their input, obviously, both of them taking the Eagles of the game. Brian dropping some one-liners unexpectedly in that podcast as well. That surprised me. Got the noon kickoff, like you said. You got, you're got you playing them. You know, the thing that's interesting about this matchup to me, guys, is that you have very rarely nowadays, like you have – these teams did not play this year, so there's no history to this year in their matchup. And then you have a team in the Eagles that I would say has been the best team from, from the start of the year, right? They were the best team, and they still finished with the best record but then you have the Niners who we could say is the best team the last two and a half months. So it's such a unique matchup to me. It's so opposite to the AFC where we had the rematch last year. Tyler, you said you're full of anxious, you're full of nerves here. I have it down there. You've won 12 straight incredibly, seven with Purdy. I
1: don't know, your thoughts? I mean, it's first, amazing. the funny stat is the Niners haven't lost since uh, Bryce Harper sent the Phillies to the World Series. That's how long it's been. Um, <laughs> that, that's wild to that think is cool. about. Um I think the Niners, the defense has to show up and they have to be able to handle the Eagles pass rush. If Reddick and Sweat and Jordan Davis and Cox, it's eight deep, that defensive line with Sue and Levante. It just goes on and on. Like, they have to slow down the pass rush. If they can do that and run the ball a little bit, I think it will open up passing lanes for Purdy. And I think they can win this game about 20 to 13. I think it'll be low scoring.
2: Yeah, if it's high scoring, I don't like your guys' chances as much in a game like this. I know that you guys score high, but I just feel like in the road, on the road, and you mentioned that their pass rush was like eight deep. It's pretty crazy there at the Eagles. Casey, you mentioned you're pulling for the Eagles in this sense. What's your
0: is that just that you're rooting for? Or do you have a gut feeling that you think the Eagles are maybe the better team in this matchup as well. Yeah, I mean, I think I totally agree with like the Eagles being like the best team probably overall since the get go of the season. I, I mean, I am rooting for them and. I honestly, given like the records overall, since, you know, just both teams have been like basically equally as good. Um, I mean, the Niners are on a hot streak right now. And so I think they're right now riding this momentum. I think it'll just be interesting to see like how Brock Purdy shows up. Like he's been really good, um, you know, obviously as like just stepping into this role. But I, I mean, I think the Niners have had some games that they were maybe not super confident in like the Seahawks game, the first half. And then of course, like against Dallas, it was probably a little bit closer than they wanted. And so I think, Yeah, I mean, I think the Niners have a good chance. I think the Eagles have a really good chance as well. Um, But I do think I'm going to go with Philly um, winning this one. And kind of like you said, I I don't think it's going to be like super high scoring, maybe like 28 to 21 type of score. Um, I I just think like given I'm rooting the Eagle and a little biased, but I also think that like I think they are maybe a little bit more of a complete team. And I was impressed by their playoff victory as well. So, yeah, we'll see. I think Hertz looked a little bit better. That's the thing with it, right? His, you know, the Giants obviously, they, you know, they beat
2: them thirty-eight-seven. So, but I thought his arm strength looked fine. He didn't look like he, the last couple of weeks before that, where he looked a little hesitant. Uh, Tyler, Tyler, what do you think that the Niners? You've always said the big plays is the is like the thing that worries you about the Niners' defense. Well, obviously, the Eagles have two big play wide yeah. receivers, and I think the Hertz thing. I think so, I think some Niners fans are underestimating like Hertz' running ability. Not in the, like you know, I mean, because if you don't see him in person. And you kind of remember him from Alabama, like he can go for 30 yards and then still run a play like he's not. It's not like an end of the world thing for him. So that part will be interesting for me, too. Like what kind of pass rush are the Niners able to do? Are they going to be rushing three with a spy at the defensive end? Are they going to put Warner on a spot? You know, just kind of how are they going to play out this situation? Do you have any kind of feeling of how you think the uh, how the Niners are going to maybe approach Hurts in that regard?
1: I think they're going to have the DN crash hard on Hurts and hit him every time he does a read option. And if he holds it, then the linebacker will come over the top. And we have Fred Warner and Greg Greenlaw, who are great tacklers, who should be able to get him down. Obviously, things happen in the NFL. It'll you know, mix something up. And it is a big play for Jalen Hurts. Um, I, I said this on the TMB podcast, and I want to point out. People are saying the same thing about Dallas going into – the game against the 49ers. They looked so good against Tampa Bay, but Tampa Bay wasn't that good. And I don't think the, the Giants are that good. And I think they made the Eagles look better than who they are. I think yeah. the Cowboys were the third best team in this conference. So I think, like, the Eagles will be a tough match. They're the best team we've played all year, and I'm excited. This is the game I've wanted all year. Um, but I do think the uh, Giants made the Eagles look a little better than they were, and I think the Niners will be able to slow them down. But as far as stopping Hurts, it's going to be trouble. He's been great all year. He hasn't had any bad games, really.
2: I'm curious to see what the – you know, with the Niners' defense, too. I've been saying they're, like, one of the best defenses. Or they have kind of the ability to be an all-time defense. To me, this is a game that they should win second year in a row in the NFC Championship with an all-time defense. Doesn't mean they will win, but to me, in my mind, that's where I'm thinking, okay, this is the, this is one you got to be able to kind of get here, especially after last year where they blew that game with the dropped interception at the end from the defensive standpoint there. So, um, all right, let's keep on moving here to the AFC side of things. We've got the Bengals and the Chiefs. Very interesting matchup, even though it's a rematch here. The thing I find interesting is that Burrow's kind of been that kryptonite. Uh, Casey, Patrick Mahomes, what's your initial thoughts of this game here?
0: Yeah, I mean – not a fan of the chiefs i'm definitely rooting for the Bengals, but i definitely <laughs> yeah. do. i mean i kind of think that like the chiefs are one of the like one of those teams that just it's it's really hard for them to lose like it's just they they find ways to win games no matter the adversity so i honestly am sort of ignoring the headlines of like you know mahomes has never beat burrow because i just know that like you know whenever the chiefs are faced with adversity they usually pull it through i guess with you know last year and the year before not happening then but I think you know the Chiefs are obviously um stacked like on offense like with weapons that like we didn't really expect to see thrive this year um and I think Mahomes is like carrying the team on his back um and I also think their defense has gotten a lot better um like Chris Jones has been really good lately so I think we'll see what happens um I'm gonna go with the Bengals winning this just because I am rooting for them and I also think given the history I'll, I'll stay consistent but I wouldn't be surprised if the Chiefs won and won by a lot um, but I do think the Bengals have been really good. I mean, they beat Buffalo. Like, that. that's definitely showing that they proved something. So, yeah, I got the Bengals. I think it's going to be, like, a fairly medium-scoring game, like maybe, like, 35 to 30 or something.
2: It'd be kind of crazy, too, if he's able to pull that out again to go 4-0 against them. Then you're really kind of – you know what I mean? Like, I think that's – and they're favored, right? Or maybe – I think they're favored. Or I, I, they were yeah, earlier I mean, in the week. I think the Chiefs now are a point-and-a-half favorite, which on the road is kind of – saying you're a favorite for the Bengals in some regards from the yeah. Vegas standpoint. Tyler, your
1: thoughts on the game?
2: I, like you
1: said, it's hard to bet against Mahomes. He just, I, I've done it uh, one <laughs> time, and it was with, against the Niners, and he beat us in the Super Bowl, down 10 in the Super Bowl. I just, they are 3-0. and Burrow's very good. But I just Mahomes has, if Mahomes is healthy and he comes out and he can move around like normal Mahomes, I will p- take the Chiefs. But if he starts limping in the second quarter, it's hard for, like, I think it'll be hard for the Chiefs to beat the Bengals. So I think it all depends on how he's moving. The
2: ankle thing will be interesting to see right away. That will be, like, to me, that would be, like, a big factor right away is the, is, is the yeah. ankle if he's moving around. But there is, like, this factor with the Chiefs, and like you guys both mentioned, they come back. There's no, like – They kind of remind me of the Warriors in two thousand fifteen that year or two thousand sixteen, where they never died in the fourth quarter. They could be down ten with four minutes left. That's just what they remind me of. It does not matter. They can come back at any point if you give them a chance. Um, All
1: right. And before we we didn't mention Andy Reid, who's probably the best head coach still remaining, maybe in the whole NFL at this point. Yeah. So they they have that advantage as well.
2: Yeah, we talked about a little lot about Randy uh, Andy Reid last week. Definitely the best coach I think in the league. All right, so we have our Super Bowl picks there. Who we think is going to go to the Super Bowl there? Um, I wanted to ask you real quick, Casey, since you are a fellow Raiders fan. I know that you weren't a huge – it sounded like you were kind of over car, too, at the end of the year.
0: Yeah, I was. I I moved on, yeah.
2: And I thought it was fun – I think it was one of your tweets where you said, he's been my quarterback my whole life, and I was like, you're right. He's like, he has been there a long time. He was there. I just thought that was kind of – like when you said that, I was like, oh, that's kind of a crazy. Yeah, I didn't think about it like that. Yeah. So that did you like him at one point? Like how, you know what I mean? You were probably invested in him differently than I
0: was. So how did you look at that kind of part when you left? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a really good question because I kind of had like a love-hate relationship. Like ever since, like he was my quarterback. Like he joined the Raiders when I was nine years old, eight years old, something like, like that. Now I'm going to college next year. So it was it, like, you know, I had that attachment to him as like, he was the Oakland Raiders quarterback through, you know, these hard times, they're still in Oakland, and then they move. But I just, the thing that can never draw me to him is I felt like he was lacking like a lot of the leadership skills that he needed to be a quarterback in the NFL. And I mean, he was a great guy, like he was a great mentor, I think, but I think he just didn't resonate with like a lot of the other players. And so, yeah, I mean, I love Derek Carr at one point, like 2016 was like that peak. And I was like, this team was, I thought we were Super Bowl contenders. I was only like 11 years old, but, you know, that was like kind of the first, Part of success that the Raiders had, and then of course he gets hurt, and he never was the same after he got hurt. And so, yeah, I think I w- probably liked him, you know, most of the time uh, he was on the Raiders. I think I just started to not like him when, you know, they moved to Vegas. I already sort of am moving a little away from the Raiders and, and, and mad that they left. And then for them to be losing so much, and especially after this year, I mean, he, there's not many excuse. I mean, the defense, yeah, it was bad, but I mean, he has Devontae Adams on offense. It's like at that point, you know the if you're not like completing passes all the time to him, like, I mean, you're throwing so many interceptions. I I just, I can't really uh, back that up and support him that much.
2: Yeah. We've talked about it a lot too on here. I I mean, I've had some people come at me in the sense of like, well, maybe, you know, a lot of it's been on the Raiders organization too, but I'm kind of with you on that same regard that nine years is nine years. And it's like, yeah, I mean, they made two playoffs. He got hurt. I get it for one, but last year, he wasn't phenomenal in that game. And it just feels like everything's so hard for them. It yeah. Nothing comes easy to them in that regard. So, yeah, I'm with you on that as well with the car. I'm just curious to get your perspective on that well, especially after that tweet I saw. Nine years old, that's crazy there at that point. They were at the car. It shows you he's been around for a long time. Yeah. Um, all right, let's get to our question of the week here. Uh, presented by uh, Row One Brand. Use the code uh, VSN20. Uh, you'll get 20% off uh, anything in the art gallery. Go check that out. Maybe uh championship week NFL p- uh, drawing they have there. Gentlemen, here's the question of the week uh you know was there any favorite games or memories that you have of championship sunday any games that stood out to you in the past that you just remember or maybe just like i said maybe a memory you were at somewhere and you kind of stood out to you tyler you got any championship games that stood out to you from the past
1: i mean i got some bad memories and some good memories i'll right, start sorry. with the bad it's the navarro bowman forcing Ahmed i'm brad saw to fumble and they called forward progress being stopped that wouldn't hurt um some good ones is the Navarro Bowman, probably a P.I. on Roddy White over the middle against Atlanta in 2012, which sent them to the Super Bowl. That was a good one. Um, some that don't have to do with the Niners. The Larry Fitzgerald going bonkers against the Eagles for like 153 and three touchdowns was just ridiculous. I was like, this guy's the best receiver I've ever seen since Jerry. the way I didn't know he was that fast and he just went up and got everything. That was one of my favorite. Just NFC Championship game. And then the Saints versus Vikings where they absolutely just obliterate Brett Favre. i always <laughs> enjoy seeing Brett Favre get knocked off his pedestal. and It was fun to see him take a beating, and he threw the typical Brett Favre pick in overtime to oh, blow game. He, he
2: did get destroyed in that game. I <clears know>, think <throat> once he got crushed, and then he did throw that cru- crucial pick. You said, Casey, you got one by chance there?
0: I think the one that comes to mind for me, not super far away from now, but it, it was – um saints rams and then that no pass interference call like that oh, definitely yeah, was yeah. crazy and then i think also like my first kind of taste of like how exciting uh the uh, the nfc afc championship games are is packers seahawks when um the packers led by like so much and there was that like, fake field goal and for the seahawks right. so i think that and i also remember um i think it was broncos patriots the year of super bowl 50 and just remembering, like, who do I root for? Like, I just like so both teams so much. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah.
2: That, that was, I kind of forgot about that Seahawks one when they were down, like, 20, you know, like, what was that, like, 16-3 or something like that. You're right. Yeah. The second they made that comeback there. I got a yeah. few here. I got the Colts beat in the Pats. That's one that stands out to me when they were down 21-3. The Patriots come back to win 38-4 uh, to get to the Super Bowl there. And then I also remember the – you know, it was a 2018 when the – Pats came back to be, or the Chiefs came back from 24 to tie it up against the Patriots. And mm-hmm. then to me, one of the dumbest penalties of all time was Ford lined up off sides. That game to me, that just, will always stand up because of that game right there. A couple hometown ones. I got Ra- Ravens at Raiders. Big Saragusa falling on Richard Gannon. Always got to bring that one up every championship week. That's a tough one. The Raiders lose 16 to three. And of course, Shannon Sharp, once he gets like an 85 yard touchdown in that game as well with Mr. Dilford leaving the way. Um, other Raiders ones, of course, I like Raiders Titans. 41-24 was at that game, favorite game of all time that I was at. And then a couple of random ones here I kind of like just stand out as I was a kid just remembering is that Bucks rams won 11-6, A, because of the score. And then just thinking because the, the Rams were so high-powered on offense and the Bucks were so bad. And they had your – the Sean King was in that year, right? I believe that was the Sean King year. Yeah. And I couldn't remember, Tyler, wasn't there a receiver that either dropped a ball or, like, hit the ground? There was some, like,
1: controversial it was play. There was a Bird Emanuel crossing pass over the middle that he caught, and they called it. They, they went to review it, and they called it incomplete. But if you look at the, like, it's a replay. The ball doesn't move. It's a wild call that they changed if you look at it again. And I feel like they changed but the it. But it was a just Bert Emanuel that. catch or non-catch. I just remember that
2: game standing out because it's six to three for so long, right? It was like five to three, some random score for so long there. So that one I also have on there. And then one that maybe buy a Colts hat just for Casey here in nineteen ninety six. I got to go Jim Harbaugh, his little run there with the Colts against the Steelers. They almost made it with the hail mary at the end. That was kind of like one of the first like football like significant memories I can like really really remember where I watched the whole game, watched them through the playoffs. So. That one always stood out to me as well. So I always like this time of year looking back at some of the old games and, like, the history of them and that kind of stuff. Yeah, T?
1: And then there's the Dick Sherman, Michael Crabtree incident incident that we talked about. (laughs) That one kills me more than any NFC championship game that I can remember. (laughs) Right in the heart. Dick Sherman. That was my favorite part.
2: I I still – my favorite part is when he goes over and tries to shake his hand (laughs) after after that play right there and then gets to do it with Aaron, Aaron Andrews. That's why it happens when you try to hit with the sorry ass receiver like Michael Crabtree. Um, so that's our question of the week there. Brought to you by Row One Brand. Like I said, use the code VSN fifteen, get twenty percent off in the code there. Um, what's up, guys? You got any other? Oh, we got a little comment here. What's up, Mister Prime, our guy there? Thanks for tuning in, I my man. Um, so. I think those are some good memories NFL wise to get into. Maybe this Sunday we'll have a different one. We'll have some new memories created. I feel like with the games that we have on tap with, I would say, justively gentlemen, top four teams, probably the, the in the NFL this year. I guess you could throw the bills in there if you want. I would say no, but uh, I think we get, we're going to get great matchups today. So I think that's all you can ask for on a championship Sunday. So I hope
1: it lives up to the billing for sure. Before we move on, can I yeah. ask one more, you guys a question about if yeah. the Chiefs and the Niners win, who are you guys rooting for? Are you just not watching? There? You'll watch, but well, you're not I, rooting What's I'll, going through I'll, your head? I'll let our guests
2: go
0: first there. I mean, we had that dilemma two years ago, uh, a couple years ago, um, and I was rooting for the Chiefs just because I was at, like, a Niners party, and I wanted <laughs> everyone else to be disappointed. But um, – I love it, Casey. I love it. I honestly – no idea. Like that's a. I think because I'm also like going on a trip the same day as the Super Bowl, which kind of sucks, and so I might miss part of it. And so I kind of honestly, that's a really good question. I think maybe the Niners, just because I feel like the Chiefs won it last time, so maybe I could just like, you know, just to even things out for the Niners. But it's gonna be really difficult to do that. So yeah, good question. It's too much red for me in that matchup. It's too much red. I was
2: like, let's get the Bengals Niners again for a third time. I think that's I think yeah. that's what we want to see. I think that's the best matchup there uh yeah. it's in it was in arizona i said this year right the super bowl i think that's where it's at this yeah. year is arizona i believe yeah it is. Uh, well, Have you, you've never you've never been to a super bowl or anything have you or anything like that no yeah, i haven't no never been to an event like that um all right well those i want i was thinking as you were asking it randomly just what fan base like what would be the toughest matchup for somebody to root for if like i don't know just trying to think out there maybe like a cowboys fan if they saw some other two teams matching just kind of now, now you got my mind thinking there, Tyler, with that stuff. All right, question. That was our question of the week there. Like I said, all right, let's keep the show moving here. Kind of hit the half an hour mark here. Appreciate our guy there, Mr. Primetime, tuning in with us here. Um, let's go to our. Let's go to the NBA here. Let's go to the, the hardwood. Been a, kind of a kind of an up and down season this week. There, this season, uh, Casey, this year. Warriors have a winning week. They go two and one. They lose to the net Sunday, and kind of just a ugh, just a bad loss. Up twelve, blow it late. Um, just kind of that that game to me kind of symbolized a lot of the season so far I just felt like watching that game and then pool they went they, anytime you beat memphis right that feels good so we'll take that anytime they they end up winning in dramatic fashion at the end and just the way they won it just it's funny i i coached ba- junior high basketball and i'm like I was asking a high school coach. I was like, "How?" I was like, "You guys don't make those type of defensive mistakes on inbound passes, do you?" Like, where your basket, yeah, you know, where, where your side hips, or your players are like that. He goes, "Oh, you'd be surprised." And then, sure enough, Zion Williams just in just pathetic defensive position at the end of a game. Yeah, have your butt towards the bench. That makes sense. But anyways, the Warriors pull out a win. We'll take that. And then Curry looks himself out, uh, back from throwing his mouthpiece. Gets thirty five against the Raptors uh, in that game. Tyler, your thoughts of the Warriors, their winning week here is there a game that stood out there. I'm sure the Memphis one probably rung a bell
1: there. Definitely the Memphis game, just how everything happened. We saw an ejection by know, Darren. You were you were very excited to see it. Uh, I'm sure you have a lot of thoughts on it. Uh, but I my biggest takeaway of the whole week is just how Kaminga and DiVincenzo are filling the role and bench players of providing perimeter defense and fitting into the offense a lot better than they were in the first half of the season. I could see us going on a little run right now. I feel like this is the time to get hot and make that run up the standings into the top six. And I think I just like what I saw, even though the New Jersey or the Brooklyn loss was tough. I did like what I saw overall this week.
2: I got I got to go to Mister Prime Prime Time's point there about uh, that the they are bipolar this year. That's the problem, right? They've now they're two and one. They look at it a little bit better. But that's kind of the issue is they kind of then been, been regressing back to the mean when they lose these games against Detroit and Charlotte and blow games late against the Nets. And if you've coached AAU, I'm sure you've had a few of those inbounds experience as well on both ends as well. So, yeah, I appreciate the comment there. Yeah, Casey, your thoughts on the week, maybe the Grizzlies, anything else stand out there to it?
0: Yeah, I mean, definitely agree with the Grizzlies point there. I mean, it's just that game was crazy. It's I feel like whenever you play the Grizzlies, it's crazy. And I think Poole, you got to give him credit, especially after like, that kind of our like ambiguous three pointer from like way too deep that that he had time like I I didn't really understand why he shot that that's that Curry that's he had he got
1: Curry ejected <laughs> yeah.
0: exactly like, he gets the shot and he got Curry ejected basically so one thing leads to another but at least um, you didn't punch him in the face Casey at least didn't punch <laughs> yeah. yeah I mean I think it was a good week overall like I mean Toronto they're okay. You know, they're not a great team. I think we should be beating them. Um, But I I honestly think, yeah, it's been a really disappointing season, especially. I mean, we have like Warriors fans are kind of spoiled at this point. Like we expect them to be really good. But I also think it's just this Warriors team reminds me a lot of like the Warriors team two years ago that just like couldn't win close games. And, you know, we're also kind of dealing with injuries. Like Wiggins has been like hardly on the court, I feel like. And then also Wiseman has been kind of a disappointment. I feel like after you know sitting out a few seasons he should be back but that's just my opinion and i i think really the warriors this week yes they look good and also their upcoming schedule isn't super difficult they have the thunder here's tomorrow they have uh minnesota they have the nuggets which will be difficult and the mavericks will be difficult but then they have the thunder again trailblazers lakers wizards those are all winnable games to me um so i think yeah they could go on a little bit of a run and the west is so wide open right now um yeah the, like the top three teams are, are good but like If you put the top three teams in the west in the east they're not even in the near the top i don't think so yeah i think they have a shot to do it and i am excited to see what this week will bring i just hope they can stay healthy and keep being uh consistent so yeah we'll see
2: yeah the thing you know with kaminga kind of coming on that's kind of giving me a little bit more hope than i had like maybe two weeks ago a little bit like okay at least maybe we have a guy that's going to step up and give us something different instead of just fighting the same thing i do find this question kind of interesting you asked here because you brought up Wiseman. You brought up other players. We, me, and Tyler have talked about it a lot. But what do you think? Of like, do you think Green's back? To me, he's the one question mark, right? Like, is he the guy that's going to be back? I'm pretty sure Clay's back. I'm pretty sure Curry's back. Wiggins is back. We know all that. Uh, you know, unless there's some sort of crazy trade, you know, who do we think is the starting five? I was starting to wonder that too next year. Like, is Green still part of this? Is Wiseman, you know, insert? Is it still Looney again?
0: Maybe nothing changes. You got any thoughts on that, Casey? Yeah, I mean, honestly, I think with Steve Kerr, I mean, I think the starting five could be anybody um, on any given. <laughs> However, I do I, agree, I think it's going to stay pretty much the same. I mean, Looney, I don't think he's going anywhere. Curry, yeah. Clegg, Um, I mean, I'd love to say Wiseman over Looney just because, like, he's bigger and I think he has more potential. But I think it's just like Looney's just been that guy for the past few years. Um, but, yeah, I do think <clears> on <throat> Green is that big question mark. I totally agree. I feel like he just isolates himself from the team go like he first he punches pool and then he always is talking about like on these talk shows about how like you know he doesn't know if there's a long-term future for him in golden state so yeah i mean i think draymond green is that big question mark um i wouldn't be surprised if he left uh but i think the warriors definitely need somebody like draymond green that can command the defense because i feel like the defense has just been atrocious this year and so they definitely need somebody that can step in. Like that's why I loved having Gary Payton because he could do that off the bench, and they don't have that now. And so I, I mean, I think Kaminga could make a case for starting five if you know Draymond does leave. So we'll see. Yeah, no, that's it. Does seem like we have eight guys in our straight because we do, and we probably have we have a lot
2: of starting lightups that we got throughout the year. Um, that the 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 Grizzlies part. I mean, does Clay Thompson bring a notepad with him to these games? Is there, you know, Tyler, is he like, I mean, like, is he like after, I feel like I could see him like pulling something out and like, dum, 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 and he writes it down. Because you're right. Yeah, he has got more sense of, he's got older. And that's fine. He plays well when the Grizzlies do it. So the Grizzlies are going to talk and he's going to remember it. He's going to perform. I'm all for it. I just find it kind of fascinating how much this man, I, I got to say they're in his head, but it's not affecting his game in that regard, I guess. Is that is that, is that fair to say, T?
1: <laughs> yeah, I think it's fair to say. I mean, his demeanor has changed so much pre-injury to after injury. He used to say nothing. He just used to play. He was stoic, and now he's like this emotion. He's like half Draymond Green, like, yeah, like a half of Draymond Green as far as like his emotions. It is what it. Is. I mean, at this point, whatever gets you motivated, I'm all for. If you play well, do whatever you got to do. I love Clay. He's my favorite player of the Warriors have ever had. So. I'll support Clay on whatever he does. Yeah, it is. It would probably have bugged me if he did this his whole career. That's like, just, I wish he was more quiet about it. And just took the notes and didn't say anything to the media if I had my like magic wand to change things. But whatever. It's, it's almost like he saved it up almost all these years over all
2: these teams. And he's like, I'm just going to use it on the Grizzlies. But Every little pettiness is going to come out on this team right here i'm gonna gonna, every time i play him if we beat him i'm gonna tell him what they did wrong i'm not gonna hold anything back there's nothing to that your thoughts on that uh casey
0: yeah i mean i think clay is one of the like i he's one of my favorites too he's like a local guy like he's just he's cool um but i i do agree i think like i mean it just doesn't seem to like affect his play like he plays memphis and they're trying all they can to stop him and they just can't um, I think my only critique of Clay this season is just consistency. Like, there's like when he's good, he's really, really good. That Atlanta Hawks game is uh, is proof of that. And uh, you know, of course, this game and uh, plenty of others. But I think too, when Clay isn't on his best day, it's a low point. And so, yeah, I think Clay has definitely been really good for us lately. And I think, yeah, the Memphis game is a remnant of that. And um, we'll see. I mean, this I don't I I don't know if I consider it like a true rivalry yet, just because. I feel like it's been, yeah, one-sided. The Warriors, like, it's been one playoff series, and I feel like, yes, it's exciting when they play each other in the regular season, but I don't think it's by any means something that is anywhere near, like, Lakers-Celtics or anything like that. I just think it's something that's developing, but it hasn't really come to fruition yet.
2: Oh, we'll get into Lakers-Celtics for winners and losers of the week. That, we can bet on people. All right, we got – but for the Warriors part of it here, to wrap it up, I do want to just add real quick about that Raptors game. Curry – that's how I want you to play the rest of here. Be aggressive, go to the try to get to the paint more. It said it was like his first time getting 30 points worth eight or less three attempts. I thought that was fast fascinating. Like he didn't have to necessarily shoot there 12 threes to get like that made. Now, if he can do that on a consistent basis, maybe that's where our team, you know, maybe this this, this team's different. You know what I mean? It just is it's not the same team. So maybe him attacking the hoop more. You know, maybe that helps us in that regard a little bit there. Uh, it always helps to attack the hoop, obviously. But him, maybe not just settling as much for the shots. Maybe gets everybody else more involved. Helps some of our big guys crash the glass when they're in In that regard. So, um, any last thoughts on the Warriors? Gentlemen, Tyler, you got any thoughts going into this week? Like you said, easy, kind of an easier schedule. Hopefully, Wiggins is back as well. I do want to point out he wasn't in that game against the Grizzlies.
1: I just want to ask you guys a question to finish this thing like I have for the football. Um, are you open to trading the younger guys? to get, like, Miles Turner has signed it to your deal. He's not available anymore. But, like, get a guy like that, or do you want to keep the young core and have the old core and sort of see how it works out? Go ahead, Casey.
0: Yeah, that's a really good question. I mean, I think I'd be open to trading maybe a few of them. I just don't know about, like, a package where I'd include more than, like, three or four. Like, I definitely don't think Jordan Poole is someone I want to trade. I feel like he's hitting his, like, prime right now. But if you were to ask me, like, you know, should we trade, um, like a Patrick Baldwin Jr. or Moses Moody or Wiseman, like, I definitely would be open to it. I think the Warriors, considering they're in a win now mode, like Curry, he is getting up there in age, so is Clay, so is Draymond. Um, and I think you know, yes, they need to build for the future, but I kind of trust the Warriors front office for the future, anyways. Um, even though we don't even know if Bob Myers is going to be, uh, with us, past you know, long for long term, I guess. So. I'd be open to it. Um, but I guess it would also depend who we get. Like, you know, I, I think the Warriors' younger guys' stock have definitely risen. And I think if they give those guys more time, I'd love to see Patrick Baldwin get minutes, especially in games like that were already winning by a lot, just put them in. And they've been doing a good job of that and just kind of develop those guys. That's how Poole got good. I mean, the Warriors' team, their his rookie year were depleted. They won 15 games out of 65. And um, they, they used those young guys, and Poole was a bright spot. So I think, yeah, trading them would be – uh, I'd be open to it, but I also think like keeping them in long term would work too. So I think it could go either way.
2: Yeah, no. When they played the Raptors the other day, you saw some guys out there. You wouldn't mind having on the Warriors as well for sure. Um, yeah, uh, I gotta ask, uh, Mr. Prime Type from Detroit. I'm surprised, right? I think he's from Detroit. I think that's what he said. So if uh, he is, get- <clears throat> wants him on the Pistons next year. And that's me. That's his way of getting him on the Pistons. Then. Um, all right, let's keep the let's keep us going here in the NBA. We're kind of getting to the third quarter part of the podcast here, middle of it. Um, all right, Kings. You know, I you know we've both been tweeting about the Kings a little bit more this year. We had a, We've had this guy on in the past, Tom Witt from uh, Sacktown Report. On we've got to know him a little bit. Kings Nation. My sister lives in Sacramento a little bit. We've been, I go to. I usually go to a game once a year. Um, I don't know. Like, can I guess my question for them is right now they're in the third seed. Uh, we haven't talked about them in a while, Tyler. Can they hang on to that top six in the Western Conference and avoid the play-in game? Right now they're one. You know they're basically one one out of it.
1: I mean, they're going to have to fend off the Warriors and Dallas. I think they can. I, I, I really like this team, actually, with, like, Sabonis and then adding Herder was just a great addition. If, if You can't have too much shooting. They added Monk. And then De'Aaron Fox is just impossible to stay in front. Down the stretch, I kind of worry about who's going to get them a bucket when they need it. Sabonis can be not aggressive enough for me at times, but yeah. he is a great passer. He can hit a three. He can do everything as far as a big man needs to do. He's like a Jokic light. I, I think they will stay in the top six. I think they're good. I think their roster is very good. I don't know how they they'll fare in the playoffs because lack of experience, but I really like the Kings this year with the additions
2: of all the shooting they added. I think matchup for them is huge. Come playoff time. Like who's yeah, that who's sure. that matchup for them? Uh you know, come that especially if they stay in the top six there. I you know, it's funny, I would love to go to a game. I haven't been to a game this year, I just would have loved to have gone to check the energy out from the last time. Like where I went once a year, just totally different energy. I'm assuming. Uh, your thoughts on the Kings there, sir? I know you've got to be impressed with them. I yeah. and I'm gonna. I, can they stay in the top six? You believe?
0: I think they can. I mean, I, I just. I think the thing that really brings me to them is their depth, like the guys you mentioned, and then also like Trey Lyles and. I oh mean, man,
2: even, what the heck has happened to that guy? Unreal.
0: Yeah, and then of course Keegan Murray, who's like I think. Definitely yeah, a rookie this year. So, I, I mean, it's been really, really good to watch. Um, and, yeah, it's the depth. And then also just they've gotten a lot of these wins where they just are clutch. I mean, that's that's how, the name of the game for the Kings. And Darren Fox is the clutchest player in the NBA right now. And DeMontis Sabonis, I mean, he was a guy that, like, I always respected, just didn't really think he was elite. And now it's definitely changed my mind. I feel like he's found, like, this change of scenery from Indiana has been great for him. Um, and I know the Tyrese Halliburton debate is really interesting too, but I do think the Kings will stay top six. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if they were towards maybe like the top three, um, just given what's been going on this year, I think they just got to stay healthy. Their depth is good, but I feel like in the games where they don't have Sabonis, it's like, it's almost like, you know, they're a different team. And so I think that's something that, um, could hurt them, but I think really, I mean, they've been super impressive. I've gone to three or four games. Um, I've met the, many of their players. It's just a chill team. Uh, yeah. They're very fun to watch this year. I Light the beam.
2: Light the beam. I like that little thing they got going on with that. I just remember my sister, like, early in the season, she was, told me about it. She's like, I was like, what the hell is that thing in the sky? <laughs> <laughs> that purple light in the sky. Um, yeah, the thing with the Kings, too, I've, I've said this for maybe a few years now, Tyler, is I just really – and I wanted it now that we have a chance. Can we ever get a Warriors-Kings matchup? Like, can that be possible? We talked about rivalries at the beginning. Like, obviously, this would have to happen for a long time. But we geographically are like an hour and ten minutes from each other, stadium to stadium, maybe a little farther than that. And we've never played in the playoffs. Like, to me, that's just crazy to think. Like, the potential there, if these teams were actually good, how fun that would be. I don't know. Like, anybody else that crossed your mind, Casey, now that you've been to a few Kings games and obviously you're a Warriors fan,
0: too? I definitely crossed my mind, yeah. I yeah. mean, I think – like. It, the problem with this rivalry is it's just like the Warriors have been so dominant. And then like, obviously Sacramento, like it's, it doesn't like, it's kind of the underdog when it comes to sports in comparison to like, you know, of course, San Francisco and then the greater yeah. Bay area. So I think it, like, it definitely has crossed my mind. I just think like, you know, if that happens, like what's going to happen here in Northern California, like, it you know, we've saw, we've seen um, Bay area, you know, or like Northern California teams play each other in big games, but I feel like this would be like given just the star power. I just think it's, it would be really, really interesting to see. Um, so I think it could go either way, but I, I'd love to see it.
2: What do you think of that, Tyler? Because, like, an the MLB, right? Giants, A's, we get that a lot. Raiders, Niners, you know, obviously now that's impossible with them being in Vegas or doesn't quite the same ring to it. Like, you know, that Phil, well, what do you think of the potential there with the Kings, Warriors, local kind of matchup there?
1: I mean, anytime it's that close to proximity, it's going to cause fireworks among like fan bases because you, have interminglings of like yeah. Sacramento fans around Oakland or Warriors or San Francisco. It's untapped Atlanta, to be Bay angry. Area fans. That's why it's yeah, be. Uh, you You don't know the potential until we see yeah. it. And I think it'll take a little while, but as long as both teams stay relevant are good, then yeah, I think it'd be a great rivalry. Because <laughs> Sacramento fans get a bad rap. They are a passionate fan base, but they have something to cheer for. So they could be really good
2: yeah absolutely I, and as an ace fan you kind of relate to that fan base in some sense like you so guys it's, it's easy to kind of relate to them in my for me anyways from that standpoint um all right so that's kind of the nba this week with the kings and the uh warriors maybe beating up a little bit there hopefully we come playoff time um well i got a couple other nba takes we'll get into later in the in the in the podcast i do want to say i bead the second sign you know, we got that up there. He got fined for the, for the was Royal Rumble that was yesterday. So he got fined for that, put on a show against Jokic. Uh, I don't know why I found that kind of funny. I don't know. And I have kids. I just thought it was still kind of funny. Probably they probably against the rules. I know it was probably showing him up, but I thought it was uh, – I don't know. just thought it was kind of funny. Any last thoughts here, Tyler, on the NBA this week or anything?
1: Uh, Just the the nokeitz and bead matchup. I'll get into in my winners and losers. I think right. it just that's the match that it just reminds you of old school basketball. They the big guys do it a little different nowadays, but it's just fun yeah. to see two big guys go at it that are that dominant and that good.
2: All right, let's keep it going. Now then, let's get to the baseball side of it. Here Uh, we kind of talked about Scott rolling, getting into the Hall of Fame this week, right? He you know he gets in. Any snubs, Tyler? I think for us, it's Jeff Kent. Right? Do You have. Is that like anybody, Casey, you got anybody else? Uh before I go back to Tyler that
0: I mean, we did Kurt Schilling get in or No, he no didn't one? get in. Okay, yeah. I mean, I think that was one I was thinking of, but yeah, I'm not I'm not entirely sure. But yeah, I think
2: Kurt <clears throat> Schilling is yeah. definitely worthy of this of a stuff for sure. Uh yeah. I guess for me the one is Jeff Kent. Tyler, you got—is that the one for you too?
1: I don't even think Jeff Kent's a Hall of Famer. I don't think any of these guys. Maybe Todd Helton is a Hall of Famer, but I mean, Kent has the MVP, but he has the one. The hell rolling it in then. I, I, I don't, don't know. Understand. None of them should have made it if it's up to me. I don't know. Like now, because if you didn't do steroids, you're like rewarded as, uh, <laughs> or if you're not on the list, you're like rewarded as a better player than you really were. I don't. It doesn't make sense to me if. I mean, I know you guys aren't the biggest Giants fans. I know you respect Bonds. I don't know how Casey feels. Until he gets in, I don't really care. It's all if these mediocre guys are getting in, like not mediocre. They're good. They're all stars, but they're not Hall of Famers. I mean, my kids will not know who Scott Rowland is.
2: Well, that's kind of my thought with this. It's like, okay, I, I want to go with you first, Casey, because like, when you say Scott Rowland, what do you think of? Do you like? Does that even name even jump out to you?
0: No, or- not really. I mean. Like it's just more recent. Like when I think of Hall of Famer, I guess it's just I think of a like player in like the Golden Age of Baseball, and he's like fairly recent, right? I mean he he played a lot, but and I know he was good. It's just he doesn't he doesn't stick out to me as like a pinnacle yeah. part of MLB history. So I don't know. No. I don't know. And
2: then the, the thing that threw this all off is the stupid steroid era. Like, yeah. does it matter to you if they get the steroid guys get it? As a young person, do you like even care if like Bonds got in like? Would that ruin it for you? Like, I don't get it. Like uh, for me, like I, I'm trying to like, I, I, I love baseball. Right. And I did have an appreciation for the hall of fame. To me, it's just such a joke and it's ridiculous how they've like kind of made it a mockery. It feels like to the public, like the public doesn't even like, to me, take it as serious. Cause they're like, well, somebody, how, we're not, we're just making up rules as we go along. Like, I don't know. Like does, does the hall of fame even matter to you in that regard?
0: I mean, to me, like in terms of bonds and the steroid era, I think just for me, like consistency is key, right? Like if you're going to let in one guy who did steroids, like let them all in. If you're going to let none of them in, then don't let it, anyone else in. Um, but I mean, I, I guess it sort of matters to me. I think it's the sort of, it's kind of the same thing as like all-stars. Like if someone's selected to an all-star game, like I care about it, but it's not like that important to me at the end of the day, like it's an individual accolade. Right. And so yeah. I think being selected the Hall of Fame is, like, really cool. And I think it's cool as a fan, as, like, a Raiders fan or an A's fan to say, like, we have so many Hall of Famers. Um, But at the same time, I think, like, let guys in that are worthy of it. And with the steroids, I think that's, like, definitely a slippery slope just given, like, you know, the years and years that they were used and, like, how many good players were using them. And also, like, Pete Rose, too. I was thinking about him because he was, like – Getting like you know, against his team, or, or I'm not sure what he did like entirely, but I know, um, he's yeah. not allowed in because of that. And, yeah. um, there's other players too that have kind of had that similar, um, thing happen to them. So I, I think definitely like consistency is a big part of it. Like, you're gonna let in the steroid guys, like, let in Pete Rose. I think,
1: and I agree is- with you. Um, we've harped on this enough. If Bud Sealing, the guy who oversaw the league is in the Hall of Fame, how are you not allowing the players who made the no league what it is? I could go I, I hate the Hall of Fame now. I, I mean it is what I think it means something still like for the people. But Scott Rowland is not no one's gonna know who Scott Rowland is in forty-five years. <laughs>
2: I was on with these guys with this podcast on Thursday, and I was I kept trying to I felt like I was just Will Ferrell from uh from that movie with with all due respect with, with all due respect I was like just ripping on Scott Rowland, but I was like with all due respect I was like Jeff Kent's numbers. I mean, are you kidding me? Just look at it. He had rolling one silver slugger. He, he got over hundred RBIs five times. Kent had, Kent had more RBIs, more home runs, uh, more a better OPS, better slugging percentage more hits more seasons with over two batting 280 it's just when that stuff happens to me i'm just like and he got 45 percent of the vote and i know you could say well he had the gold gloves and that stuff but like for me i guess as somebody that was like you know tyler listen to bill king in the radio before they're with the games before like when the a's didn't even have games on tv blacked out like just having to like it frustrates me to see like a game i love kind of just fall apart. In my sense, in something I, I thought I was hoping would be more important as I got older, and I just feel like because of the Roy area, because of the way they voted for some of these guys, and the stupid writers that vote two people in, I want to slap those people that vote two people. For me, I know I sound ridiculously overly passionate about it, but it just bothers me a lot.
1: Like no one ever said Scott Rowland's better than Manny Ramirez, even in nineteen ninety six. Like when Manny Ramirez was a rookie, the- it just. I mean. What are we doing? Is my, I mean, I know they cheated, yes. but so was the whole league. I, I don't know.
2: Yeah, it's tough. I it's,
1: a, it's a slippery slope.
2: It's just the voters have too much power. My, and, like, they get their feelings hurt about certain guys and, like, oh, he was an a-hole or, oh, this guy was a jerk and that kind of thing. I just don't think that's too much. Uh, for me, that just ruins it a little bit in that regard. But don't so, you think
1: the Hall of Famers that are already in are the same way? They're like, oh, we're not coming if this guy did. Like, it's just – I don't know.
2: Yeah. Yeah. They, like I said, they, they kind all of – use their power in a weird way. But Bud Seeley got in, so we're good there. He did a great job with the All-Star game, everybody. Let's get him in the – all right, that's my rant for the day on baseball. Yeah. Let's get into some good things here with baseball. Well, somewhat good with RT maybe isn't as it is, good, Casey. But I do mm-hmm. want to talk – one of the main reasons I wanted to have you on was because – uh you did a a little, you did a documentary uh, on the A's and their stadium issue uh, that they were having. Let me just get the name up here with it. Um, And again, like Tyler had mentioned at the beginning, well done. You did a really good job on it. Uh, You did did like just not just the editing and all that stuff that's impressive. Just the story behind it was really good. And as somebody that's been going to A's games for a very long time, uh, it did strike a a chord with me. Um, And so, I just kind of wanted to know, first of all, with that, what obviously you're a hardcore A's fan, but what kind of made you think like, OK, this is the time for me to put out a video about the A's getting a new stadium?
0: Yeah, what really drove me to do it was one, I had to make a project for my film class and I knew that I wanted to do something I was passionate about. But I also wanted to educate people because the thing with the stadium is there's so much misinformation about like the funding and there's a lot of misinformation about the A's as a whole. Like people always say, you know, the A's have no fans. And Yes. Our attendance is low, but you go out to a game. It's like the fans that are there are passionate and they have reason for not wanting to show up. And so I kind of wanted to tell the full story. I feel like there's a lot that the media tries to do to kind of make A's fans seem like non-existent or make it seem like they're not worthy of a new stadium in Oakland, which they most definitely are. And so I kind of made it with the intention of, yes, we need to, Um, get a new stadium, but we also just need respect because I feel like the A's are one of those franchises that are, you know, should be up there, you know, historically when talked about Yankees Uh, and Red Sox and Dodgers, you know, they're, they're one of those teams that kind of like founded baseball in those grassroots, right. Um, In the seventies and eighties. And then of course in Kansas city and Philadelphia too. And so I think, you know, just the respect for that. And then also I, I just wanted to, you know, make a film that I could be kind of passionate about and kind of put like geek out on and put my own spin on. So that was definitely something that drove me to making it. I was curious after watching it,
2: what you possibly, because like you said, you know, you obviously are very knowledgeable with the A's, you're knowledgeable based but like you said, you still are the younger side. And when you do a project like this, I'm sure you learned a lot about maybe the A's history and just maybe, and I, and I'm assuming that was you that interviewed like some of your guests that you had on the video, right? Like, And those guys, you see them at all the games all the time. What was that kind of like kind of getting like, I don't know, maybe some different inside knowledge, talking to Brody Brazil, talking to Casey Pratt from ABC7 News and just like, I don't know, like a different
0: history on the A's and what you've witnessed through your, you know, through your eyes. It was definitely really cool because I feel like, you know, the people I chose were like, of like very different backgrounds. Um, If you have Brody and Casey who are like both uh, kind of in the news industry, broadcasting industry. And then you have like how the hot dog guy and like yeah. I feel like all those guys just bring something to the table um, that is really unique. So, yeah, I think like from talking about them, especially like you said, like being younger, it was really cool to see like their experiences and also like growing up, going to A's games when it was like more enjoyable to go. Let's just say that and yeah. um, teams that like actually could contend every year. And like just learning about that was really, really interesting. Um, and then also just like kind of getting into, um, you know, their experiences as fans from being young, like in the eighties till now, as you know, we're kind of in this state of the A's kind of falling apart and crumbling. So, yeah. So let me
2: kind of cut to the chase on this question. And then a little Tyler cut in with, well, you know, what are the chances the A's stay in Oakland you feel like? Cause I mean, you obviously had to deep dive into it a little bit, right? So you obviously mm-hmm. kind of have a gut feeling on it. Now it's, I believe shortly after that came out, it did that, like the A's lost the federal, like, you know, the mon- money that they were going to get from Oakland. Sounds like that still could be a possibility heading into the future that they could get that money. I don't know, man, like 2024, you know, the thing with this is just like it's been happening my whole life too, Like, right? Like my whole life this has been going on with the A's in a stadium, back to when they had Jason Giambi and all those era guys. So, like, I don't know. Like, for me, I'm just so pessimistic about it at this point. What's your, like, kind of thoughts of the A's actually staying in Oakland?
0: Yeah, well, my answer changes a lot. Like you said, like the federal money thing really um, hit me hard. I I know that like they weren't expecting to get the full amount anyways, but I just know that like John Fisher is not willing to spend any money uh, that he doesn't have to spend. And so the fact that like money will be taken away just makes things complicated. But I think the thing that always makes me more optimistic is just, I think Oakland, I, I went to Las Vegas and I think it's a great city, but I don't think it's suitable for MLB. I just don't like, well, no, I think it's suitable for MLB. I just think it's suitable for the A's the A's are not like the Raiders in the sense that they have, you know, like elite marketing and they're exciting and they bring fans like from all around the country, the Raiders can do that. And I feel like the A's like, I mean, they're hardly bringing fans to the game in a city they've been in for 55 years. How are they going to bring fans to the game in a city that they've, you know, an untapped market with baseball, with MLB baseball, at least they have triple a there. So I, I, you know, I think, I think I'm gonna go with like, you know, percentage wise, like I think I'm seventy percent they're gonna stay, thirty percent they're gonna leave. But I honestly don't think Las Vegas is the greatest option, especially too, because they're not getting public funding probably from Vegas. I think the um the governor of Nevada said that, you know, like taxes for um MLB or any sport like to fund a stadium would probably not be uh you know suitable, just given the fact that the Raiders kind of screwed them. Um but I, I think okay. yes, yeah, I mean it's definitely one of those things where I want to stay optimistic, but like you said, it's really hard to stay optimistic at times. Especially like this project was supposed to be done by 2023, and now it's 2023, and they don't even have a shovel in the ground. Um, and don't even know if this is going to get built. And so I just feel like it's a long, tedious process that has been really, really frustrating. And so it's it's hard to watch. And it, I mean, you talk about I mean, I remember San
2: Jose, I remember Fremont, all these things going yeah. on with the A's, like where they were going to be at, and. Yeah. uh, Primetime asked the question if they don't stay, you know, Vegas right now, I think the A's are using obviously for leverage. That's the main reason. Like they had to pick a city. They had to get something to like threaten Oakland because (laughs) you know the town of Oakland, they're like a sloth. They don't move very quickly on things like this. I mean, think about they have not had a stadium built since the Oakland Coliseum. That's insane. That's yeah. insane, and that stadium, like you did a well job of presenting, was was a football stadium for the Raiders. It was never meant to be a baseball stadium in any regard. So it's yeah. just like this random plot of land that has a stadium on it. It's just like, and it makes it unique. I'm curious, how many games do you get to a
0: year out there? Are you? Try I to- yeah, I get to like probably over thirty per year, um, maybe around that that mark. I think last year I went to a lot just because the tickets were cheap and yeah. it was. It's just easy to get to, like that's what I like about the Coliseum. Like it's just yeah. so chill. Um, you can go right up there and you're in pretty quickly. Um, so I like going a lot. I go to like 30, and you know, interacting with the players is fun and all that. So it it was a it was a good year for going, but it was definitely a hard season to watch. So, if me and Tyler got to sit on Mount Davis once.
2: Have you ever been up there yet?
0: Yeah, I sat up there for the playoff game in 2019. And it was it's so it was a really cool experience. Yeah,
1: <laughs>
2: everything went like the home run. Good
1: <laughs> yeah. team. Uh, once again, good job, I was, I, I thought you, I thought the Giants would be a bigger, I'm glad they weren't, you didn't make them the main story why they're not staying because of the San Jose deba- debacle that is what it is. My biggest thing, if they do stay, is there any way, because John Fisher is the cheapest owner in all of baseball, is there any way it turns into Pittsburgh where they just do the same, they get the nice stadium and the waterfront, and Jack went, does it turn into Pittsburgh where they still won't put any money in the ball club? And, like, as long – if the team doesn't get sold, I don't see a stadium getting built because Oakland isn't going to get. – they're going to try and pinch pennies every second – every chance they get, and then John Fisher is trying to pinch pennies as well, and I just don't see where the money's going to come from to build a stadium. I don't know what my question is other than the, the Pittsburgh part and then can John Fisher get the job done?
0: Yeah, well, I think about the Pittsburgh thing all the time, right? Because, I mean, you know, you can have a stadium, but you actually have to put a team on the field to bring fans to the ballpark. You know, you, know, you have to bring a good team onto the field, yeah. not just a team. And so I, I would, you know, I'm praying that that John Fisher sells. Like, that's that's what everyone wants. Um, I think the interesting thing is, like, will it happen before or after they get a new stadium? Because the value of the team will exponentially, like, increase if they get a new stadium, right? I mean, the A's are not super valuable right now because they're not bringing in a lot of money. Um, So, you know, we'll definitely see what happens. But I I think the main thing for me is, yes, if he sells, like, I think I can be confident the team um, will get a new stadium, like, fairly quickly. I just think John Fisher is slow on those things and he doesn't speak publicly. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I think they still, in my personal opinion, I think they could stay in Oakland with Fisher's owner, um, given the fact that he is a businessman and he wants money and a new stadium will bring him money. That's the only way it will. The A's are not bringing in much money right now. Um, so I think that is to answer that part of the question. I think they can, but I think if they're going to be relevant, if they're going to even have attendance at Howard terminal for uh, years to come, like, he's just got to put it either spend money or sell because they're it's just not working out right now that's always been my question
2: with like Tyler is like the ownerships is so crappy and they've done everything to, I mean, everything in the book to isolate a fan base, like to piss off a fan base. I'm one, like I said, even if they get a water well, does anybody want to give him that money and like, I don't know, just, I, he's just, I think a, a lot of Oakland fans are just over him in general. So I think that's a big part of it too with me. I'm curious as we kind of move away from the ballpark, but stay on the Oakland A's just for a second here. Who is your favorite player that the A's have ever had in your lifetime? Is there a guy that you kind of – I knew, because like you said, you're in the same deal I was really in. My favorite player was Miguel Tejada growing up. I knew the A's would eventually lose him, right? They lose Giambi. They lose all those guys. They did randomly keep my guy Eric Chavez. But is there a guy that you kind of like – I don't know, just like have kind of attached to here as an A's fan?
0: I think Stephen Vogt is the one that comes to mind just because he was like just with those great teams and then he like leaves comes back and then like finishes it off with us um i totally agree with you like it's hard to have like a favorite player on the age just like you know it's very um up and down like you never know when a guy's gonna get traded so it drives us away from buying merchandise and like having that attachment but i also think like a guy like josh donaldson like at least in my lifetime like those guys were really like that team of like 2012 to 2014 was really exciting and i think like you know, an assessment is as comes to mind for me and like Donaldson, but I think like my consensus pick would be like Steven Vogt. How about you? Uh, I would say for me, like I said,
2: it's, it's, it's Miguel Tejada for sure. On my standpoint, he just, I just loved his energy and passion. He played with that shortstop. Like I, and that was, I was probably the same age you are now when he kind of came up. So like, he just like immediately him and Tim Hudson and obviously Giombi too, with the MVP stuff as well. But Tejada was just the guy that I just love because he was so different than anybody else on their team at that point. Right. Um, uh, our guy primetime brings up Ricky Henderson. I, you know, I, see, when he was playing, I was still, I was born in 84. So, I mean, like, I, I kind of saw some of his career, but I didn't get to see, like, the prime part of him, like, just dominating the base pass. we have seen the highlights enough. Obviously, yeah. a guy like him stands out in Oakland A's lore history. I mean, the field's named after him, for goodness sakes, there. So, um, yeah, he's a big one for me. And then I feel like also for me, a, a guy that doesn't get enough respect because he was here such a short time and then got traded to the Cardinals. Is Mark Mulder. I know they have the big three, but I just, he was so good for the A's during the regular season. So him and right. Zio were two guys I liked as well. Um, and they had, some, they had some other guys, like Jermaine Dye as well, and T Long, all those type of guys were like, and like my favorite A's play is where T Long robs Manny Ramirez of the home run with Billy Koch the, back in yeah. the day. That's like my favorite A's play of all time there. Um, so Tyler who did I forget I know I forgot some of these guys maybe I like Terry Steinbach uh, Terry Steinbach
1: Sal Fasano Sal, uh, Sal Fasano Sal, uh, yeah. I my favorite I saw a jersey at an A's game and it said PTBY what it was PTBNL player to be named later <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty funny that's clever but yeah I mean I feel for you guys I I the Giants were there we got lucky we sold and we had an owner who was willing to spend private money to build a stadium. And that area was a crappy area. It got built up into this nice area. It wasn't that what it looked like today when they built. So I would like the A's to somehow stay where they are and somehow build around, just build the city around them into this nice area where there's restaurants and stuff. Just because it's easy access to the freeway. It's the parking lot's easy to get in and out of. I don't know. I, it's obviously, just not that's not your biggest concern when you're an owner. But. I love the location where it's at now. Obviously, the stadium needs a new. You need a new one, but I like the location where it's at now. Obviously, Zach Lennon's the best, or the Howard Terminal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that's
2: where it's at. I think it's there. They're just not gonna. They're just moving on to something else. I don't. I just can't see it happening anywhere else. Um, all right, so that's our A's there with kind of the some, some looking back at some old players there. So we, I'm trying to think of a game with Stephen vote where you when when they how. What would you have been – you remember the Tigers series with Coco Crisp? Is that a little too – or that been right there when you're like – your, I'm trying to think if that's you would right. remember that one. Yeah.
0: yeah, that's kind of what getting into them. So, like, that's kind okay. of what – them, Like, those yellow jerseys and, like – Steven Vos got the hit the game before yeah. that,
2: right? Yeah, okay. Uh, I did mention Coco Crisp. He was a good A there for a while as well. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed it. He – that one season, he was his clutches. <laughs> you know what? In that series as well. My brother yeah. and dad say that's still the their the best crowd reaction – they've ever been to it was game four when they got the, when he got the game, when he hit off of uh Jose Val, uh, Valverde uh, to yeah. get that game winning run, they still, they still say that was the loudest they've ever heard that place. And they my dad's been to a lot of games there. So yeah.
1: Yeah. That's cool. I did catch a Coco crush foul ball. Uh, that's the- right. I, I forgot there. about
2: that. You were with me there. That's right. I totally <laughs> forgot about that. Um All right. So that's our eighth part of it. Like I said, man, like really good job with that video there. And it was just kind of fun getting your perspective on that. And, um, I, one last question with it how hard was it to get brody brazil that guy, to, to come on with you did they know you like was that hard to set up or was that were they pretty flexible with that stuff just because they're in the yeah. media I'm just curious
0: well so i've actually like known brody for um a little while now because he used to have these like you could call into his show and i told him everything yeah. about what to do and so you know i met brody a few times at games and like it's always nice talking to him so when i brought up the film idea like he was definitely like you know, delighted to do it because he's passionate about the issue, just just as much as I am, even more probably. Just he makes so many videos about Howard Terminal and you know the significance of it. So yeah, no, it was it was pretty easy because I I knew Brody, you know, just personally on a personal level, but I also knew that like professionally he would definitely want to share his thoughts about this. And then you know like Casey Pratt, right. like I didn't know him prior to that, but like everyone kind of in the community kind of knows each other to a certain extent. And I've met the other guys. I met Hal like many times. Yeah. I've met uh, the other guys that were featured too so like it, it was yeah. definitely uh a cool experience yeah for sure to say the least that's awesome yeah that's thanks. awesome
2: okay you're probably that this was not a fun matchup we lost both times to it and vertlander's strike zone was way too big in both those matchups so that was that again <laughs> i this, this, <laughs> got that outside corner way too much in that series i did not like that at all um all right let's get to the end of the show here our last little segment here we always like to do where we do our winners and losers of the week presented by SeatGeek. Use the code VSN20. You'll get $20 off your first purchase at uh, any stadium there. Uh, like I said, use that code VSN and get $20 off. All right, guys, our end of the show
1: here. Tyler, who's your winner of the week? My winner was the game of basketball, just an MD versus Joker matchup. Uh, just watching two big guys go at it. Uh, it's just a rarity, and it was good to see. They both showed up. Joker went 24-8-9. He only got 12 shots off, which was surprising. He went 8-12. then Embiid had the monstrous game of 47-18-5, and 18-31. And it was just nice to see centers at the forefront of the NBA in the game and just being the two best players on the court. Casey, you got a winner of the week?
0: I got to go with Warriors-Grizzlies, just the Warriors finally, like, you know, Kind of getting back into the swing of things and having, to, like we talked about, having a really good finish there, and hopefully can keep it up. That's kind of my big winner there.
2: That's good. All right, I I got winner of the week. This is kind of a funny winner for me of the week, and I like our guy here. Losers, yes, you little fifteen point lead, you're definitely a loser of the week. I gotta go. I gotta go. The the Lakers Celtics last minute of the game to be with winner of the week for entertainment value alone. For winner uh, or loser. No, this is winner just for the opposite to me. This just feels like a winner just because of how entertaining it was to be. Maybe there was, I know there was loser moments in it, but it was just too good to pass up as a winner of the week. LeBron James' reaction, my goodness, I just got entertainment out of that alone. Yes, a loser reaction, but I literally, when I saw it on Twitter, I didn't see the game last night, so I got back, and I just saw the video. I was like, did he break the score? <laughs> <laughs> I thought maybe he broke the scoring record. He was like the way he went down because I didn't have volume on her or anything like that. And then I realized he did and how dramatic. And then I also I gotta go winner Pat Ben bringing out the camera. This is something we've all dreamed of as a fan. Bring out the evidence, show it right to the official, right in his face, tell him you suck. Right there. And then what was it earlier in the game? He flops after he gets called for a foul call to, or he got called one one and he goes down on the floor and just like butterfly style. So I gotta go winner. <laughs> That whole game, Tyler, was ridiculous. What, what, any thoughts on that one?
1: That <laughs> was just a terrible ref game. Uh, LeBron is so dramatic. Like it looked like Steph Curry when he won the finals, but he got a he didn't he got a no call and just on his knees. I don't know. It just it, you can understand why people hate the man.
2: I don't like. It, it, and I, I want to say this real quick for let Casey go. I I don't want to hear any Lakers fans complain about it because you I you guys used to get a lot of calls back in the day. Let's not let's not forget about those. Maybe you you forgot about those early two thousand Kobe Shaq days. You know I, I have not forgot about the Gasol Kobe days. Let's you know let's hold up the brakes here. I'm not getting any calls. So from a Lakers fan. I'm just gonna get a boo-hoo here from me, Casey. Your thoughts on the the LeBron James thing? There, yeah, you gotta be. It was kind of funny though.
0: <laughs> it was. I definitely agree with you on the Lakers thing, and I also agree. With, I also think like LeBron gets calls all the time too. Like it, it goes both ways. Like for all the missed calls against LeBron, I feel like one bad call. You know, yes, it was bad. Like I definitely agree, but I feel like LeBron of all people shouldn't be hysterical about like one bad call because he definitely has been getting. I mean, I, I where do I even start with that? There's been so many. <laughs> that have gone for well for LeBron because of the officiating um, and the Lakers just in general, like you said, I mean, <laughs> that Kings Lakers series, like is proof of that. Like that is like the worst officiated series of all time. And so, yeah, I mean, I thought it was kind of funny. I don't like the Celtics either though. So I, I didn't really um, care that much, but it is a great rivalry. So, you know, we'll see uh, how that, that phases out, but I, I think for sure, definitely kind of a funny ending as a Warriors fan, but also just like, yeah, I would have been mad too, but I definitely think it was pretty hilarious. Just the
2: reaction was just just priceless. You know, that's a meme for a while now. People like I already saw them today. Oh, that's what happens when your kids wake up after seven. All that stuff using that using that thing for it. Also, winner of the week. I want to shout out our guys at Variety Sports Network here. They came up with an app for our uh, you know for our. Our little, or for Variety Sports Network, so if you want to watch our show on the app as well, it just created that. Brandon doing a lot of big things over there. So I do want to shout out that. That's pretty cool. I thought Tyler as well. So I want to give him winner of the week. Loser of the week. Always a fun part. Casey, you got maybe a loser of the week by chance? Here you go first. Go ahead, Tyler. You got a loser right, of the week by chance?
1: take. right, I'll, I'll take Brandon Bean. Is Brandon Bean related to Billy Bean by any chance? Does anyone know? He's, I yeah, know. He's a, of is the this Billy? Mr. B in the movie? I don't know. No, it's called <laughs> B-E-A-N-E. So I was like, no, he's related to Billy. And he has a B first name. I don't know. Parents tend to do that sometimes. But he had a quote where he said, I don't want to suck bad enough to have to get to Marte's. I'd love to have him, but you got to go through some lean years to do that. This guy not realized Kyrie Kill was a late pick. Uh, his own receiver, Stefan Diggs, was a late pick. Devontae Adams with a second round pick. You can get a receiver without being top five. What are you talking about? You sound like an idiot. Um, <laughs> <laughs> don't make excuses. Just I don't know. It's just a crazy quote. Like, oh, I need a top five pick. We need to suck for years to get one wide receiver. Like, what are you doing?
2: That's funny. Uh- yeah, no, that's a bad one, especially with, like, all in anything in the NFL. Even look at the quarterback, right? Pretty yeah. of the week in there. I think that's where scouts come in, maybe a loser of the week there. Casey, sorry to put you on the spot there, but you got one by chance. If not, I got a couple here for you.
0: <laughs> I'm a loser. loser of the week. I mean, this is sort of changing directions, but the Sharks, I mean, they just don't know how to tank. It's, it's really, like, annoying because, like, we are horrible, and yet we're somehow beating the Pittsburgh Penguins and scoring six goals on them. And so I think, you know, the no, the number one prospect is Connor Bedard. He's, he's, you know, supposed to be the next, yeah. like, phenom. Everyone wants him, and the Sharks are just trying to, like, win games for no reason. And so that's my loser for sure.
2: Now, what was the – I had them for loser of the week, too. It was – they, they – they, they, remind me, they scored a goal up, oh. I feel like. with What was it? They scored a goal, and then to go up by two goals was under two minutes left, I believe, uh, because the other, <laughs> the other team pulled their goalie so they scored to go up and then they lost the game still. Like it, yeah. to me that's like to me that deserves loser of the week as well. I had that as well uh with yeah. it. Thanks Prime Time for uh tuning in this week man. We appreciate it very much. So thanks for uh thanks for tuning in. Um yeah, no, I wanted to just point that out to I just thought I forgot about that. That's bad in hockey if you if you yeah. do that. You would um so, I got a, that's a good loser of the week. I had that down. I had Zaire Williams, D. I already mentioned that. Rest, missed call. And then to me, loser of the week, because you were on, sir. And I, I was, I kind of saw some of it. Would they have a fan fest, Spirit Week, the A's? That was pretty pathetic, it looked like there. So, I got to go loser of the week, a Spirit Week or fan fest there. That was yeah. pretty bad.
0: Yeah. Oh, definitely. It did, did sure.
2: looked like it was just at a restaurant.
0: Yeah. I mean, I went thinking <laughs> it was going to be um, like an actual event, but there was, just a DJ and stomper, and then like 15 years fans. <laughs> and I left after like 15 minutes because I was like, "Yeah, this is this is not it." Giants uh, are having wasn't real- it at a
1: bowling alley?
0: Yeah, it was at a bowling alley like restaurant thing, but you actually had to be a season ticket holder to like go in like the bowling area. So, like if you wanted to like bowl like publicly, you could, but like the actual like event was only for season ticket holders, and then like the rest of it was just like stomper dancing to like DJ. <laughs> it was just it was depressing.
2: No comment. That's why that that, and that deserves loser of the week there for sure. Uh, Casey, yeah. with that said, man, I think that's going to wrap up our show here. Fat Boy Fade Away episode 20, 121. Sir, thanks for jumping on again with us early here Sunday morning, giving your thoughts on sports, your movie, yep. the A's, all of it. Um, I just really appreciate it.
0: Yeah, thank you so much. And I appreciate you having me because it's definitely I've seen like your stuff and I've like obviously been in contact with you and it's definitely been um, really cool to see just come to fruition. So, yeah, I'm really grateful you could have me on really really nice thank you
2: very cool very cool and uh who knows maybe i'll see you at a at a game one of these times and uh we'll uh we will gonna talk about the a's that we can maybe maybe we will be at howard terminal one of these years that's what we can dream about casey we can do it then so until then guys we'll see you out next week casey thanks again sir tyler good luck today sir Peace. No,
1: I
0: Hey everybody, this is Brandon, CEO of the Variety Sports Network. I just want to say a quick thank you for watching one of the shows here on the Variety Sports Network with tons of other shows and content that's available. All-